We have been going through learning how to pray. So I'm going to ask you, you don't have to answer out loud, but how is your prayer life working for you? Okay? Because prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. Prayer is the first thing that hits heaven, actually the only thing that hits heaven before we do. Is prayer. Prayer is the work, okay? And so James ends in James 5 telling us when and how to pray. And do you remember the different times, which means, of course, all the time, but remember the different times that you shared about when we should pray? Hey, babe. When should we pray? When we're what? Sick. Sick? Sad. Sad? Happy? Sinning? In trouble? Distressed? When When someone else is what? Right? No, but when... True, all these are true, but what James said is when somebody else is what? From the faith. Has wandered away from the faith, right? We continue to pray. In other words, we continue to pray all the time. All the pray. All the time. He says the the, uh, prayer of a righteous man is what? Effective and powerful. powerful. Right. We got the King James Version and the NIV there. Avails much means that it's effective... And it's powerful, okay? And that's the prayer of a righteous man. And what you're saying, Sweetie Lynn, is that you're right with God. The one who's right with God, prayer avails much, okay? It's effective and it's powerful. I uh, love reading the old, you know, the old theologians back in the 18 and early 1900s, okay? Like Spurgeon and this guy named E.M. Bounds. And uh, he wrote this power through prayer. And he has... uh, he quotes other other old theologians in this that that I love reading their I, I don't like reading fiction I like reading biographies I like reading autobiographies I like reading about C you know like C S Eliot I like reading how God changed his life I like reading how uh, D L Moody came to know Jesus Christ and then you know thirty thousand people come and stand and listen to him in the Chicago streets he went from a shoe salesman to an evangelist I mean I love these are true stories of changed lives if you guys want to be excited to see how faith works in somebody's life and how prayer works in somebody's life read read autobiographies, read biographies of people like um, uh, uh, James Elliot, you know, Jim Elliot, who was martyred, right, with the Alka Indians. You read Elizabeth Elliot's account of that, his wife's account of it. And so um, he, he talks about, about these guys. And Sir Thomas Buxton... Definitely an Englishman says, "You know the value of prayer. It is precious beyond all price. Never, never neglect it." Edward Payson, also an English dude, prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary. Pray then, pray, pray, pray. It's the first thing. It's the second thing. It's the third thing. It's it's totally what keeps us be, before Him and totally humbled before Him. It says, "Remember." Spending time with God will almost never just fit in to your daily routine. You must schedule and then jealously guard your time with God. Yeah. The more you honor that appointment, the greater you will desire to protect it and the greater you will enrich yourself. Amen. It's that, I always use this, it's that non-negotiable face-to-face time, right, with our Heavenly Father. You know, being in his word and being in prayer. And your life gets changed. Your life gets changed being under the word like we are today. But when you're in the word and when and, and you're praying the word back to him, we're going to learn how to do that as we're going along, okay? We're going to also learn that. But last week we learned about who? A man just like us. He prayed Elijah, okay? In First Kings, I believe that was 18? First Kings 17? 18. 18. And uh, 17. 17. And how Elijah prayed and uh, and it didn't rain, and Baal was a weather god, and it didn't rain and for three and a half years, and then he prayed, and then it rained. And there was no dew either, and we learned the whole purpose of that. We learned how he was hidden in different places. We learned how he was fed by ravens and by the brook, and then the brook uh, incredibly... Uh, Dry, started drying up and he's watching this but then he took him to a widow and the widow was very poor and what was happening with the widow is she was gathering sticks to make her last little bit of mite of food for her son and herself and then they were going to die and and he comes and boldly says oh make one for me first right and and she does because she knows that it's his lord god that's working okay and then what happens is the the son ends up getting ill 
and he dies, and Elijah cries out, and Elijah prays, and God heals him. Okay, and he says, in James it says, the man like Elijah, a man just like, just like us. That's how we are to pray. Listen to how William Penn prayed. But above all, he excelled in prayer. The inwardness and weight of his spirit, the reverence and solemnity of his address and behavior, and the fewness and fullness of his words have often struck even strangers with admiration as they used to reach others with consolation. The most awful living reverent frame I ever felt or beheld, I must say, was his prayer. Meaning awful, meaning like awe-filled, not like terrible, okay? And truly, it was a testimony. He knew and lived nearer to the Lord than other men. For they that know him, capital H, most will see... Let me read it again. For they that know him most will see most reason to approach him with reverence and fear. Okay? Always before the Lord. Always before the Lord. Asking Him. Asking Him. Speaking to Him. Thanking Him. Okay? And so today, we are going to look at how... What Jesus' prayer life looks like. That's why I'm always asking you, what's your prayer life looking like? How's your prayer life doing? You know, where are you in your prayer life? Are you writing a journal yet? Are you seeing how prayers are being answered? You know, our refrigerator is called our prayer refrigerator. My husband is so funny. He's like, honey, it doesn't match like the whole rest of the house. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's my favorite fridge. Honey, everything else is silver and black, and this is like white with silver. I said, absolutely, but it's got pictures and stuff all over it. You can't even see it, Brian, because it's so full. It's called my prayer refrigerator, okay? And so I have tons of faces and people and names and everything on it that I'm praying continually for. And you know what? You're usually in your kitchen, aren't you? Right? And as I open the refrigerator, I'm like, oh, yeah, Lord. That's right. I need to pray for her. That's right. She's struggling right now. And the kids are like, Mom, what's going to happen when that refrigerator breaks down? I said, I'll probably be in heaven. I'm sure God's keeping that refrigerator for me for a long time. <laughs> so, you know, but however personally he speaks to you, right, make it uh, something that's a reminder to pray, to pray without ceasing, to do something. You know, uh, the kids put stuff, little sticky notes on their mirrors in their bathrooms, okay, that, that, that have like little quotes from me or, or, or that they've run off from the, the Word of God or whatever, about, or who to pray for or what to pray for. You know, continue, because what that does is it continues us being dependent on Him. When we're praying with, to Him and we're with Him in His throne because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, we've accepted Him into our life. And know that he died for us. My sin kept him on that cross. And knowing that that's the only way, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody come to, come to the Father except through me. It's the only way I can enter his throne. It keeps you a very dependent creature. And it keeps you humble, and it keeps the pride from filling in, which is very easy to do. Isn't it easy just to pick up things and think you've done this, or I've you know, done this, or you know, I'm making this money, or I'm just... And the Lord goes, uh, guess what? Wealth comes from me, it says in Deuteronomy 6. Right? And so everything is from him, to him, and through him. That's why I say it all the time. Lord, thank you that from you and to you and through you are all things. It's not so he can hear it. It's so I can hear it. It's so I can hear it. Okay? So we're going to learn and walk through how Jesus walked on this earth. How is Jesus' prayer life on this earth? Okay? So get your Bibles ready today because we're going to go through Scripture. All right? And we're going to see how how Jesus' prayer life is. Now, this book I absolutely love. Uh, at our BSL on Thursday, a, a man named Dr. Thomas Samuels, who I've known for probably 25 years. He is an uh, East Indian gentleman who is a, a, a pastor and missionary in India. Uh, he's a national himself. And uh, he has Quiet Corner Ministries. You can look it up on the web. Uh, and, and India is being changed uh, unbelievably not only because of this man and the prayer walk that they do all over India, okay, but because of others just like him uh, in India. In fact, uh, kids from our church are going to India. Hi, sweetie, are going to India to serve uh, in a mission uh, coming up very soon. And so, and my daughter's boyfriend's um, grandfather is a missionary to India as well, and he's there with with his grandson right now. And there are incredible things that are happening. You know, people are coming to Christ in by visions. They go to bed at night, and in the morning they wake up going, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
They're going to bed waking up knowing that Jesus is the way. Going to bed a Hindu, waking up knowing that he is the truth and the life. You know what that's from? Prayer. That's from prayer. Because we all come to Christ through revelation. Once we're blind, then we see. Nobody intellectually reasons you to Christ. You can't sit and have an intellectual conversation together saying why you should love Jesus Christ and what he did and everything. Oh, you could talk about the history. You could talk about the Bible. You could talk about, you know, how it's been shot at. It's been forever. New archaeological find. I just love how God does it. Found the grave of Zachariah. You know, that was just last week, right? And guess who found it? Robbers. Robbers found it. Right? They were on the archaeological site where they weren't supposed to be there. They were digging around trying to take stuff from the site. Robbers. And all of a sudden, they uncovered this, these mosaics, which go all the way back to Zechariah in his tomb and the time, and they found all of this. And so he just reveals himself. He doesn't have to do that. He just reveals himself because he loves us. So, so uh, I'm going to be using this book. If you want to order it, it's called Dynamics of Intercessory Prayer. Uh, Learn to Pray, the Most Powerful and Purpose-Driven Prayer. It's intercessory prayer, praying for others. He has a chapter in here which just blows my mind uh, away about how he takes us through a prayer walk with Jesus. All right, so we're going to see as Jesus walked the three and a half years in you know in his teaching ministry right here on Earth, how prayer was so important to him because he was all God and all what man, all God, all man. Okay, did the all God part need the prayer? No. No. Okay. No. Did the all man part need the prayer? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how sweet it is that, you know, he remained all God in the form of man. Okay, how sweet is that? So that we could identify with him. Okay, so that we could identify with him. Okay, and so Jesus is our greatest example for modeling our prayer life. Okay, as we're going through the Word of God. He is our greatest example, okay? And, and prayer should be that heartbeat, the heartbeat of a believer, of those who are following hard after Christ, of, called Christians, okay? It should be our heartbeat, okay? And because it was so with Jesus, God's Son, walking this earth, it was His heartbeat, okay? And so believing, now here's the key. Believing in prayer and praying are two different things. Okay, now, my mom, who I used to call, if God had a wife, it'd be my mom, okay? Because I'm telling you, my mom, you know, just oozed and lived Jesus all the time. That's how I ended up coming to Christ, praise your Lord. She prayed and prayed for me, and I'm telling you, I would say to her, um, you know, Mom, I, I believe in prayer, but only through you, because I would see prayer answered through her. Because it's a righteous man that has effective and fervent prayer. Okay? I mean, God always hears the cry of unbelief. Help me. Help me with my belief. Help me with my unbelief. He always hears a repentant soul. Always hears. Okay? Always. Because he wants you to come to know Jesus Christ personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over your life. And then after that, we are growing up in here, growing up in him, growing up in him. And as we continue to pray, you know, we begin to pray selfless prayers. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going through five, five hindrances that keep us from effectively praying. And then, so, so Jesus... As he's walking on earth, okay, he he is praying and he's praying believing. Okay, it's it's one thing to believe in prayer and have everybody else do it. It's another thing to pray. Because as Oswald Chambers says, prayer is the work. And I'm telling you, if Satan can't make you sin, he'll do anything to keep you busy. Anything to keep you busy. Right, because you'll be taken away, taken away from being in his presence, from making sure that you're praying, giving it over to him. He'll do anything for that, okay? And so um, most of us, if we would really, you know, look at a checkmark list down and put of ourselves, I would say most of us are in the fair to poor area for prayer life. For prayer life, okay? And we treat, we treat prayer as if it's a stretcher, Right? A stretcher. What does a gurney do? What does a stretcher do? Right? We, we, we treat prayer as it's a stretcher, you know, that you use, you know, in emergency. Use it in emergency. Or we treat prayer like it's a shopping bag. Right? 
Here's my shopping bag, Lord. Okay, put this in it now. Oh, magic God. Thank you. Right. Okay, right. here's my shopping bag. Right. We treat prayer instead of this incredible intimate, intimate relationship with Him. And then it, the overflowing that comes from how much you love Him and that you just can't help but praise Him, no matter if it's the storm or, or the sunshine, it doesn't make any difference. As you walk in that prayer, we, we, we treat it as only to be used in those certain times. Okay, Jesus, however, prayed in all circumstances. All circumstances, okay? And so, when he was confronted by the multitudes, okay, which he was often, if you want to read the Gospels, he was confronted by multitudes. I mean, they were hanging on him all the time. They were dinging on Jesus all the time, okay? And when he was confronted by the multitudes, okay, uh, he would pray, okay? And he would say to his disciples, pray. He tells disciples to pray, okay? Before he performed miracles, what did he do? He prayed. He was always praying, giving thanks to God the Father, okay? Um, before he went to the cross, the last exhortation he gave with his disciples was prayer. Prayer for himself and prayer for them, okay? And, and he told them to continue to watch and pray. He began his ministry in prayer and all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. He continued to pray, okay? And so I want you to look at Mark. Open your <clears throat> Gospels up here to Mark 1, 35, because this is, I, I want you to walk with me, you know, through the pages of the Gospels to see Jesus' prayer life. Because guess what? If Jesus, Jesus, okay, God himself, Jesus, Son of God, okay, if he needed to pray like this, how much more do we need to pray like this? Okay, Mark 1, 35. Okay, who has it? Read, read big, big, big. Barb, do you have it? Okay, read big. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. <laughs> Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Okay, so Jesus is going to have sort of a busy day, don't you think? What are you reading about? Right? Jesus getting up in the morning, he's like, woo, got a busy day today. Okay, be preaching, teaching, got all the people hitting at me, got the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ites, all the, okay, everything's going on. And he's like, whoa, okay, so what did he do? He slept in, right? He slept in. Whoa, I got a big day, I got to get more sleep. I mean, people were dinging on me last night, I had to be preaching last night. So he slept in, right? No, what did he do? Not just early in the morning, what does it say? Very early in the morning. Not just early. Very early in the morning. And I don't know about you, but I know for five years about very early in the morning. I awakened at 3.30 in the morning every morning for five years for the 105.3 of the fish. That's very early in the morning. And now Jesus waits for me till 5. And I'm like, that seems very early to me now. But I'm telling you, he was up before anybody else was up. Very early in the morning. How's your prayer life? You up before anybody else is up? Got the collie snoring. My Brooke now she snores. I'm I'm like Brooke, come on. <laughs> right? No, she snores. When your dog snores, it makes you tired, right? I mean, seriously. Now, now when I, I can't even sit by her when I'm praying because I want to fall back asleep, right? You got the collie sleeping. My husband sleeping, or he's gone on business traveling. The girls are sleeping very early in the morning. Very early in the morning he got up, right? Okay, he went, and then what did he do? Did he just lay in his bed? Where'd he go? Solitary place. He went apart to pray. He went apart to pray. You know why he didn't pray in his bed? What happens? What? Fall back to sleep. They were, well, they were, the way that they lived back then, you know, they lived like that as well. Okay, but you could easily pray there. Okay, you don't have to pray aloud. You could easily say, but he got up and he went to a solitary place because you know why? He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart to pray. He could hardly wait to get with his father. He could hardly wait. Can you imagine how much he missed him? Before creation, 
Eternity past. Remember, eternity past, little dot of our life, eternity future. He's always been with God the Father. Can you imagine how much you missed him? Oh, I can hardly wait to be with you. Right? Praying with you. Hearing from you. Right? Do you miss him? Can you hardly wait to get up in the morning because you know he's brought you through the night? He's taken you through the night. He's taken you through that night, through the grace of that night, the mercy of that night. He's protected you that night. My dad went to sleep one night, moved to heaven. Could happen to any of us. Right? But that's what he did. And he could hardly wait to be with him in the morning. And you know, Jesus had a very busy day. Barb just read it for us. A very busy day. Healing people. Teaching in the synagogues. Right? But in spite of that incredible busy day, Jesus began on his knees. God himself began on his knees in the morning, apart. He went to bed late at night, and he got up early. He kept on keeping on, okay? And, and it says also in Luke 4.42, you can just write that down for uh for um, time purposes, Luke says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Daybreak. He went out to a solitary place. Uh, there's a great... Uh, I, I love my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers, but there's another one by, by Kalman uh, called Streams in the Desert. It's an old, classic, excellent devotional. And it says... No one accomplished so much no one accomplishes so much in so little time as when he or she is praying. No one accomplishes so much in so little time as when he or she is praying. I know that I know that God orders my way, my day, my footsteps. I know he takes stuff off my plate, which I think I have to do that day. I know that I know he gives me more time than there is in a day. I know he rearranges stuff for me when I'm in prayer. I know that I know. I have seen him do it. I have experienced it. Because he tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, what? In prayer and petition, right? Make your request known unto him. I know that he does that. That's who he is. He can't do anything else but. Okay, and, and uh, someone else has said, a daybreak with Jesus will keep us from breakdowns during the day. A daybreak with Jesus will keep us from breakdowns during the day, okay? So if Jesus needed to meet with the Father early morning, every day, how much more do we need to? I don't know about you, but I do. I know that I know that when I don't get up immediately and say, Thank you, Lord. I feel absolutely so loved by you. I've never been loved more than I have right this moment by you. I know that I know that. Thank you for the morning. I am so loved by you. Even if I don't feel loved, I know that I know that I'm so loved. You couldn't have loved me any more than you do at this moment. I praise you for the morning. Thank you for the morning. You can't get out of bed and say, I'm a night person that way. Can you? I'm a night person. I can't possibly do this. I think that's an excuse. You wake up and roll out of bed and tell them that, I think... I think you and Jesus are on the exact same page. What do you, what do you think? Okay, so it was said. No, you know Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to what country? Do you remember? China. China, excellent to China. Okay, and uh, he says it was said of Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. The sun always saw Hudson Taylor. The sun, S U N, always saw Hudson Taylor in the morning on his knees. No wonder he accomplished great things for God. His trust was in God, for he knew that he could accomplish but little without God's enabling grace each day. Right. I mean, the only reason that we're here right now is because he's given us grace to be here. Right? Undeserved favor. He's kept us safe. He's brought us here. That's who he is. We, we continue by his grace. We're saved by his grace. We walk in his grace. And we continue in his grace forever. It's his grace. Okay, And so, what a wonderful example Jesus modeled that we should get up early in the morning and begin the day in prayer. Because guess what? God already knows everything that's going to happen that very day. You don't. 
He does. And when you posture yourself before him and say, Lord, I know that I know. You tell me to plan my ways, but you direct what? My steps. So you know, I know that I know that you have my steps numbered this very day. Teach me to number my days, Lord. Right? That I may walk aright with you. And that's who you are. And what that does is you are now posturing yourself under him and allowing him to order your day. Oh, you might have this, 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 this. He doesn't say not to plan your ways. He doesn't just say to get him say, whatever, whatever. <laughs> right? He doesn't say that. Jesus had plans. He had to go teach, preach, heal people, right? Absolutely. But he gave the authority, all the authority, to the Father. No matter what, it's about your will to be done. Not mine. All the will. Okay, so that's just our first example. Is that he got up early in the morning to pray. So the takeaway is, how is your prayer life doing that way? Okay? Check yourself. Check yourself. Just try it for a week. You'll like it. You begin to even fall in love with it. You know, to the point where I have to literally give it over because if somebody wakes up early with me, I get upset. And so now it's like, wait a minute. Now I'm like coveting my time with the Lord because, you know, it's me and Jesus in the morning and now you're bugging me. Okay, that isn't how I should be. Lord, forgive me. Right? Okay, so I mean, but you fall so in love with that time that then it becomes your time and then anybody else comes in your time, you're like, Oh, well, that's what Jesus would do. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm up in the morning with you, Jesus, right? So I can squawk at my kids when they want to come, right? No, no. Okay, so, but I, I'm sharing with you, try it because you like it. He's always waiting there for you. And when you arrive, he goes, what took you so long? I've been here all the time for you. Come on, come on. We got great adventures today. Come on, let's go. Okay, let's check one. Okay, number two. Look up Luke 3. 21, that's it. When all the people were being baptized... There we go. Read loudly. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying between heaven... Praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, in body and form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. When all the people were being baptized, all right, Jesus was what? Baptized too. He was obedient, right? He's obedient. First, right? Baptism, does baptism save you? Okay, I mean, would Jesus need to be baptism, baptized if baptism saves you? No. <laughs> no, okay. Trick question. All right, listen up. Would Jesus have needed to be baptized? Okay. If baptism saves you? No, because he was, he's God. He, he did this out of obedience. He didn't need to be baptized, okay? He's God. He was without sin, right? The Word of God tells us he was without sin. He's God, even though he walked as man, okay? He did this obedient unto his Father because he wanted to show that as all God, he would obey his Father as well. So, as all man, absolutely. So what happens is, is as the other people are being baptized, right? They first have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They realize that He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the one who came to save. I accept. I have that conviction. He did that for me. I've accepted that. That I ask forgiveness in my heart for that. And now I want the world to know that I'm going to follow Jesus Christ the rest of my days. So I'm buried in my old flesh and I'm raised to likeness in my new flesh. Gone is the old creation. I want to show people and I'm raised in Christ and Him. Okay? All through the Word of God, it's repent first, repent first, repent first. What does repent mean? What does repent mean? Turn away. Turn, away. Turn the exact opposite way. Okay? Repent first, repent first, then baptized. Then baptized. Okay? Alright, so, all of you are being baptized Jesus was baptized too. And as he was what? Praying. Praying. Okay, so before his baptism, he's praying. Okay? Another time when he's praying. Before his being baptized, he's praying. Okay? While Jesus is praying, while he's praying, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a what? Dove. Isn't that the greatest? The Holy Spirit descends on him like a, in the form of a dove. Okay, what a marvelous picture to see Jesus being baptized, okay? And you know what? Jesus could have gotten baptized without praying, right? 
right? Just following through, being obedient. He could have gotten baptized without praying, okay? But it was on praying ground, praying ground, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, right? On praying ground. That he's praying and he's anointed with the Holy Spirit, okay? And you know what? Jesus needed this anointing of the Holy Spirit for his ministry that was ahead of him. Absolutely. As he continued to walk as all God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and God the Father goes, Oh yeah, oh yeah, whoa, there's my son. I am so pleased with you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, that's who you are. It's always, always, ladies, listen up. It's always, always on praying ground that heaven is released in your life. Always. It's always on praying ground that heaven is released in your life. That that power, that heavenly power is released in your life. Because you know who's doing it through you. You can't. You're just surrendering to the one who can and his heavenly power is released. Okay, it's on our knees. It's on our knees that, that we walk in power. That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's on our knees that we walk in power, okay? And, and the, when the early church was on its knees, okay, on Pentecost Day, what did the Holy Spirit do? Descended on them, right? On Pentecost Day, in the beginning of the church, Acts 2, when they were praying, they were all praying, they were waiting. Okay? And the Holy Spirit descended upon them like tongues of fire, like a rushing wind. Okay? And, and they waited. And I always ask myself then, do we need that power right now to get over some temptation in our life? Yeah. Absolutely. Do we need that power with some stronghold in our life? With some besetting sin in our life? Absolutely. Do we need that Holy Spirit, heavenly power to walk godly in a godless world? Absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. Do we need His power in us to be an incredible witness for Him? When everybody else is is falling by the wayside and you're standing firm in Him? It's because... It's praying ground. It's praying ground. It's the Holy Spirit power in you. It's that absolute praying ground. And you know what? If that is your desire, if that is your desire to walk in that power, then meet God each morning, like we just talked about. Okay, before you meet the world, meet with Him. Meet with Him. And ask God to give you the grace the grace, that undeserved favor, that undeserved favor, God's riches at Christ's expense, that undeserved favor to us, okay, to discipline our life and to wait on Him and to pray about all things, in all things. Because God is more than willing to be your power. That's what He wants to be. He doesn't want you to fail. You know, God doesn't go like, yeah, I can hardly wait till you trip up. <laughs> yeah, whoa, baby, you you, you weren't in the Word this morning, so, <laughs> yeah, you're going to... You guys, that's not who He is. He doesn't go around thinking, you know, oh, I hope you trip up. Right? Boy, you're going to stumble over this one. I told you so. <clears throat> that's not who He is. He's always drawing us in His loving kindness. He's going, come on, walk with me. Do it this way. I promise you, no matter what circumstances you go through, I promise you, I deliver you. I will rescue you. I am who I say I am. Come on. Be with me. Talk with me. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Be there with me. There is power available for you. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says, He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, right, wait upon the Lord in prayer, being with them, having your conversation with them, wait upon the Lord, shall what? Renew their strength, right? Renew their strength. They shall what? 
Mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall what? Excellent. Walk and not be faint. Okay? That's the secret of a victorious Christian life in that verse. Okay? Have you guys ever seen eagles? Just uh, Isaiah 40, uh, 31. 29 through 31 is good. Have you ever seen, guys, anybody seen eagles? I mean, up at Fort Wilderness, guys, you know, when we go in October, I'm telling you, just watch for the eels. There's big eels nests right around the bend on Spider Lake where we canoe out to or, or um, take the pontoon boat or whatever. Eagles, I am telling you, they, they are way, way up in the, in the trees, in those dead trees, and to see them soar, right? Soar. Are they flapping their wings? <laughs> are you kidding me? That is not how we are to be as a Christian. And most of us are going through our life like this. Oh my goodness, help me God, help me God. I'm not going to make it, right? And you're just about to fall. Are you kidding me? He says, we will soar. And eagle's wings, you know what an eagle does? Waits for the current. Waits for the wind draft. Waits. Waits. That's what he says. They that wait upon the Lord, you wait. You wait upon him. You expectantly wait. And you wait for that wind current underneath. And he is the wind beneath your wings. That's who he is. Just like the eagle. And the eagle does nothing but what he's supposed to do. Put his wings out. And he soars. He soars. Absolutely soars. Because guess what? When you're soaring with Christ, like the eagle, you're not running and you're not walking. So you can't get faint and you can't get wearied. Because he's everything. He's everything to you. That's who he is, okay? And that secret of the victorious Christian life was the secret of Jesus when he was walking this earth. It's the secret of Jesus, okay? See, your weakness, you know, our weakness, my weakness, okay, is not a problem with God. Right? Oh, no. Margot has a hard time getting up in the morning, right? I mean, my weakness isn't a problem with God, okay? It's, it's do I take the time to wait on Him? Do I take the time to wait on Him? Because as you're waiting on Him, guess what He does to you? He changes you. You're before Him. He changes you. He allows you to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for me. That's what he wants for you. Okay? So, I don't know about you, but um, I think today we see a lot of churches that are filled with weak Christians. Okay? That are filled with weak Christians who are satisfied with a sermon, maybe a couple meetings a week, and... Hey, you know, I I mean, I'm doing my deal, okay? But they have no time to read his word. They have no time to pray. No time to, you know, crack open the word of God unless something is really going wrong in their life. And then they they hope upon all hope that what the word of God is saying is true. But but what they do is, is is they, they, they live this lukewarm life towards the Father. And you know, I know that I know that God doesn't want us to live like that. He came to give us life and life to the full. He came to give us that abundant life. That's what he wants for us. And we go, no thanks. I'm just fine this way. He goes, no, I really want you to live this way because that's abundant. No thanks. I'll hand it myself. And he goes, well, okay. I'll be here for you, though. I'm not moving. You've moved from me. I'm not moving from you. I'll be here for you. And then something happens, or he needs to discipline us, or there's some kind of trial, or whatever. And then you run back under his wings like a hen gathering the chicks. Guess what? He doesn't want that to happen at all. He doesn't want that to happen at all to us. He wants us to stay right there. And like we've learned in James, to be his intimate, to draw near to God. And when you're drawn near to God, 
He draws near to you and you are that intimate. And our life and our walk then reflects His power, His glory, no matter what's going on, which is very abnormal. And people go, what is it about Mary? Mary goes, oh, that's not me, that's Jesus. Witness, 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 right? We are the salt, we are the light of this earth. We're the salt, we're the light. Guess what? We're the motley crew he's left here. We're it. Just like the 12 he started with, you know, when he first started his teaching ministries. We're it. And it's grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. You know why? Prayer. You know why? Power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer. Not because anybody did just the right stuff, acted right, did this. Are you kidding? You look at the heroes of the faith, most of them were duds. Most of them were duds. They were, they were sinners saved by grace, just like you and I are. The heroes of the faith, you would never make up in a fictional story that that's a hero, would you? No. They were angry. They were insolent. They were disobedient. They did adultery. They, I mean, they were, you know, they were just like us. There's the hope. They were just like us. But God changed them. Able to walk in power. But the Lord knows what it takes. Okay? Like my mom would say, I had no idea, Margot, it was going to take you to get that low, that low, as I was praying, Lord, don't give her any peace until she has the peace of Jesus Christ alone. I had no idea. I trusted him perfectly. I didn't trust you, Margot. But I trusted Jesus with you. I had no idea it would take you to get that low before you'd come to know Jesus Christ personally, passionately, powerfully. But he did. He did, and I always trusted him with you. You know what? Because God is waiting to do that. There's so many times we feel unworthy. Where is that from, sweet bug? Are you, is, that, is that Elijah? Okay, good. That's Chuck Swindoll's, Charles Swindoll's book on Elijah. And uh, God is waiting to do that through my life, through your life. He's waiting to do that. We just need to give him the okay, the surrender, okay? Because he not only wants to bless you, but he wants you to be a blessing. He just doesn't want to go, oh, excellent, Doris. You know what? Bless you. Then you, in turn, he wants to be a blessing. He wants you to be a blessing, okay? And and so what happens is, is he is your power in your life, okay? You become this mighty witness because he's your power. Remember, he doesn't give you the power. He is your power. Okay, if he would give you the power, what would we do with that power? My power! My power! I got, right? I mean, all of a sudden, it would be all about us again. He doesn't give us the power. We surrender. He is our power. He is our power, okay? And we, we receive that power on our knees. You know what? That's the deceit in our own life. We go, oh, well, you know, we can't take that to God. God already knows. He knows every thought before it's even on our minds. So... You know, that's why we need to be in the Word so we can know Him. That's why you run to it. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Once in a great while, Jesus withdrew to lonely places and, and prayed, right? Just occasionally. When it was absolutely necessary. I mean, when He was so down and out. When he was just before He's going to go to the cross, just that very last day, that's when He did that, right? No, you guys, every word is so important in the Word of God. Every word. It says, but Jesus what? Often. Often means what? A lot. It means often. It means regularly. It means daily. Often. Right? Okay? Okay, the word often. Okay, that is thought-provoking in this context. Many times you just go, yeah, yeah, okay, so he went away. But he's Jesus. Of course he did. Right? Okay. But you know what? Jesus had the habit the habit of withdrawing himself daily, often, okay? Habit to pray. A habit. Brian and I have a tune-up once a year on our marriage, whether we need it or not, okay? Okay, that's a joke because everybody needs a tune-up on their marriage, right? And every year in January, we go to a marriage conference, okay? This last year in Madison, it was Dr. Gary Thomas. He's tremendous. Read Sacred Marriage. It's his tremendous. Sacred Marriage is his book. He's got many others, but it's tremendous. And so he was talking about how our minds, he's got a doctorate in this, and how our minds are made, and how when you start, that's why the Lord says, okay, you know, Philippians 4.8, Think on these things, things that are right, true, right? 
Think, I mean, uh, noble, right, true, excellent, praiseworthy, right? Think on these things. You know why he tells you that? Because when you think on something else, either will make neurotransmissions in your mind, okay? Neurotransmissions. Neurotransmissions. Okay, and when you start thinking on something, that thinking then becomes what? Becomes an action. That action becomes what? It becomes a habit. That habit then is either a good habit or a bad habit, okay? And either way, it's hard to break, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit, okay? Because your neurotransmissions, the way God created our minds, that's why we have to have our minds renewed in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, in Philippians. Because what happens is, when you have these neurotransmissions, they have proven in your mind that it has made a path now. It's made a groove in your brain. It's made a groove in your brain. So whatever you've been doing and making it a habit, it's now made a groove in your brain. You wonder why it's hard to break a bad habit? Because you've got a neurotransmission that's a groove in your brain. So you want to go back to it. You want to go back to it because it's there, because it's made a path. And he says, be very careful. That's why the Lord says, be very careful what you think on. Because what you think on, you become. What you think on are your actions. Your actions become your habits, okay? Now, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed, okay? That was his habit. His habit was withdrawing. So what happens is, is when that same neurotransmission can be forming a bad habit because you've done you know, a bad habit like chewing your fingernails or I'm not going to make something you know, huge morally about this, okay? But that same neurotransmission that makes a path in your brain is a good habit. And you want to go to that. You want to go to that, okay? You think it, you act on it, it becomes a habit. And then it becomes very easy to do. It's the same thing what I used to do on the fish with all the big board in front of me and everything. And you're talking, you're doing all this stuff. It's muscle memory. You just know. After you learn it, you just know. You know I know why? It's grooved in your brain. You've got neurotransmission. It's already done. Just like when you drive to church. I drive, drive to Cross Point from our home at 5288 Lakeshore Drive. Sometimes I don't even know how I got there. You know why? Because I just go. I just know. I just know, I just know, it's like, uh, wow, I'm, I'm here. I mean, think about it. The way you come here, you know the way you come here. Right, you know the way you come here, okay? And you just go. It's a neurotransmission. It's a habit. It's a habit. But guess what? The habit that you have to withdraw, get up in the morning, to have power in your life, to pray, just like Jesus is saying, it's a habit. He made it a habit. When you make it that habit, just like I mentioned, I can hardly wait to get up in the morning. To be with him. You know why? Because God created our brains to be just like that. To have those neurotransmissions. Yes, sweet bud. I just wanted to say it to me. It's learning a new language. Nothing. It's just like that. Yes, it is. You and your mind, it's like learning a new language. Yes, you're exactly right. We weren't Christians one time. We had to start to learn a new vernacular. That's right. That's exactly right. That's why Rosetta Stone works so well. Uh, the way you learn um, languages, uh, Divine Redeemer uses Rosetta Stone. It's a computer uh, language uh, that teaches you, and, and Tori's doing Spanish, learning Spanish that way. You know why? Because it's habitual. It's habitual. It's habitual. So you have visuals, you have oral, you have everything, and you respond, and it's changing your neurotransmissions in your mind, and then you remind, remind, remind. It's the easiest way to learn. You know, I, I'm not going to use that. Whatever you put in your mind, it stays there. Whatever you put in your mind. That's why he says, think on these things. That's our Jesus screen. Think on these things. Look at only these things. Things that are right, true, noble, excellent, praiseworthy. Right? Because that's what, what you will become. You become who you focus on. You become who you focus on. When I was married to the, the gentleman who had 54-inch chest and 19-inch arms, who physically and mentally and, and uh, emotionally abused me for six years, you know who I became like? I became like him. You know why? Because I focused on him. I focused on him. I couldn't stand what he was doing to me. But you know who I became like? Him. Oh, I couldn't, you know, do what he could do to me. But I could do it other ways. Because you become who you focus on. Who are you focusing on? That's why Jesus 
even walking on the earth is all man and all God withdrew lonely places, right? Habit of withdrawing himself to pray, right? I mean, you and I, you know, quite frankly, I mean, you and I could hardly believe that. That, you know, Jesus, that you would need to do that. I mean, you're busy with so many things. I mean, you're the redeemer of the world. I mean, you're a saint. I mean, you know what you're there for. Okay, And you know that no matter where he went, a crowd followed him. I mean, you just know that he was, you know, so wanted. But prayer became his life. Not just a part of his life. Prayer was his life. That was his lifeline to God the Father. It was his lifeline. And you think about how could Jesus, with, with all this ministry going on, all this stuff, how could he spend so much time with this Father? Because he chose to do so. He chose to do so. He could hardly wait, okay? I mean, you know, if, if you carefully read uh, Luke, I, I hope it's this again, uh, 4.15, uh, you will see... That, that, you know, from what we just read, that, that Jesus had a very busy evening once again. Once again. Right? And, and he went there with a huge crowd that always followed him because always somebody needed to have healing. Right? Somebody had to have healing. I mean, everybody wanted to be healed. I mean, it's Jesus. You know, I don't care if he's the son of God or not, but this dude, man, I don't know about him, but man, he can heal. And I'm sick. So I'm going to go follow this guy. Right? I mean, they want to have healing, okay? And so he was performing all this stuff. They, he, they came to hear him speak. The crowds were, you know, seeking after him. They were always around Jesus. His life was busy from daybreak until night. But in the midst of it, in the midst of it, he drew himself away to pray. That should tell us how important it is to be, to withdraw, to withdraw and be with him. Are you too busy that you have no time to pray? To withdraw, to be with him. I know it does. You are so right. It's like they know I'm up. Okay, but they wouldn't get up at three thirty. I'm telling you, they wouldn't. They're like, Ma, getting up at that time. I was good then. I'm feeling the Lord might be saying, Hey, Margo, you know what? You better start getting up because my kids get up at five thirty. Okay, and I get up at about quarter of five. Right. And I'm telling you, they're getting up earlier because, and then they, and what they do is they just sort of come and lay wherever I am, or they know where I am. They know I'm down in the sunroom. They know, you know, and so they just sort of there with me, and that's because they're doing their Bible and this, which is good, which I'm thrilled about. I mean, that's excellent because you know why? It's more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught, right? I mean, and so just like when Charles Stanley, right, tells a story, or Andy Stanley tells a story about his dad, about how he really came to know Jesus Christ and, and how he made him Lord of his life and everything. It wasn't that his dad was this great big preacher and this and that, and everybody, you know, you know, revered Charles and loves Charles and everything. No, it was Andy looking underneath the French doors of his dad's office. And, you know, they're about like this. You could look under. The French doors had about this much at the bottom, he said. And he would look under, and his dad didn't even know it because his dad was flat down on his face with Jesus, just calling out to him, flat down. He said he always saw he had his Bible open, he had Kleenex, and Andy would just sit there. Couldn't really hear his dad or anything. But it was more caught than it was taught. He said, I, I would do it all the time. My dad didn't even know. But he said, that's what changed my life. Because his dad's living it. His dad withdrew. Withdrew. Knowing that it was about prayer. He withdrew. Okay, so, you know, we, guys, I want to tell you something. We always have time to do the things we want to do. Okay, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, we all do what we want to do. We always have time. Don't deceive yourself in that. We always have time to do the things we want to do. At the end of the day, we all do what we want to do. What's our priority? Who's our priority, right? We always have time for that. You know, we are we are ignorant of the blessing. We're ignorant of the power, okay, of personal prayer. That's just awaiting us. Just awaiting us. 
but we just keep busy. We just keep busy, okay? And so, once again, we have this incredible example of Jesus in our life. You know, uh, walking in the Gospels, in his three and a half years, before he goes to the cross, in his teaching ministry, with his example of his prayer life that we can follow. And if Jesus did this on earth, how much more should we not do this? To follow after his example, okay? Okay, you know, he didn't go off to pray because of some sense of emergency. Okay, most of us will do that, right? Most of us will do that if there's some emergency or someone, you know, a car accident or someone, you know, went in for surgery. I mean, you know, I mean, excellent. Pray all the time. Absolutely rally the forces, okay? But that's not the only time he prayed. It wasn't that he went away for some, you know, kind of emergency. I'm coming back to it was his habit. He scheduled it in his busy day. He withdrew to be alone with the Father. Because the only time you can really hear him speak is when you're alone with him. Is when you're alone with him. What an incredible, marvelous example for us. This example of Jesus. You know, so can we continue to make the excuse in praying that I'm just too busy? I'm just too busy. We're all too busy not to pray. In closing, I want to... I wanna Go one, one more, because there are four more I want to cover next week, okay? Because, because there's nothing better than his example. And you guys, I challenge you to read the Gospels this week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Very easy to read. Okay, read through them. And every time you see, and Jesus prayed, Jesus went alone. Jesus, guess what? Underline it, underline it, underline it, underline it. It'll blow your mind. How many times? How many times? I'm just bringing up some of them, okay? I mean, you'll just go, whoa. I mean, that will convict you. Okay, here's the one that really got me. All right. I, I pray this is it. Luke 6.12. Luke 6.12. <laughs> I, you know, I should always check these things. I'm so sorry. Maybe it's Luke 6.21 since the other one was that. Is it right? Okay, go ahead, Kate. Go, Kate. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountains to pray Okay, did you hear that? And spent what? Okay, not only did he steal away, not only did, you know... He had power in praying. I mean, not only did he wait, not only did he, you know, make it a habit, but now he prays what? All night. Okay, okay. Has anybody ever prayed all night? Anybody ever been up, prayed all night? Okay, only one time. This is not a pride thing. This is only one time. Because my mom was, was moving to heaven. Okay? And so... You're up anyway, you know, you're up anyway. And so we're all singing Wonderful, Merciful Savior to her over and over and over again by Selah. She loved that song. She's sitting there with her hand raised still. It's amazing. Her hand is raised. And she's like, I'm like, oh, Mom, you rock. She's like this. And, and we're singing, singing, singing. And so we're praying and praising and everything. And you know what? Pretty soon it's all night because, because you're just up anyway. But, but purposely to be up praying all night is what Jesus was doing. I mean, you know, not early in the morning, okay, uh, but, but you know, when he often went to pray apart, okay, when he's on his knees, okay, but no, he spent the whole night on his knees, okay, the whole night, all right? You know, perhaps the burden of the whole world was on his heart, and he had to just continually be in the presence of his Father in the presence of his father, that he knew that he knew he was going to the cross. You know, he had no private agenda to pray for. And his heart maybe was just continually bleeding for the lost. And he poured it out to Father God in heaven. And do we do that? Do our hearts bleed for our family that don't know Christ yet? Would you stay up all night and pray for those incredible souls? You know, you guys, we're souls that happen to have a body. We're not a body with souls. You do know that, right? We're souls that have to have a body to just get through this earth. We're not the other way around. Okay? Because we will live forever. I mean, will we stay the night for our, for our family? For people that are in our sphere of influence? To pray for the lost? Because, you know, you just pour it out to Father God in heaven because you can't, you can't even do anything but stay awake and continue to pour out to Him? He prayed all alone, all night. Daytime, busy, 
crowd around him. He hadn't taken a great big old nap, so he prepared himself for the nighttime to pray the night away. He had been just like you and I all during the day. He spent hours witnessing, you know, to all the souls, even without food. He'd go without food many a times, okay? He'd remember his encounter with a Samaritan woman, okay? And at night he withdrew to the Mount of Olives. You know, um, did he go to the Mount of Olives to sleep? No. That was his prayer room. If you read the Gospels, his prayer room was the Mount of Olives. That's his prayer room. That's where he was, okay? I believe if your heart is burdened, as Jesus's was, for the lost and going to the cross and taking the sin of the whole world, I believe you would just be pouring out to him the whole night. That means that you couldn't help but be up all night because he's, he was so burdened that, that he, he needed to give it to his father instead of taking the burden. And so he was up all night. Uh, many a time, I mean, that's why I keep my Bible right with me as I'm praying. Because, um, and at the end of this, I have these praise and prayer starters that I want to give you. Because sometimes we get stuck, you know, we get stuck in, in, in praying. And, and I have about, I think it's about 35, 40 of them, uh, that scripture that are praise and prayer starters that will will start you and energize you and everything because we're going to learn to pray the scripture back. And so as you know scripture and keep it before you, like I've been praying Isaiah 49, 50, 51, and 52 to the Lord for the last week. Okay, back. This, this, I know that I know this is for me. I know that this is why. And, and just over and over and over again. And so, you know, he could have been, you know, sharing back, Lord, you say this. And I believe, you know, that type of stuff where, you know, you, where you're awake as you're sharing, praying scripture back. Because those are already his promises. You know, that's another way to pray, you know, through the night. When he would ask them to come and pray, they'd go sneaky pie. <laughs> you know, that's why he's like, come along with me. And they'd come along, you know, Peter and John, his two, you know, beloved disciples. And David says, and he'd look over, <laughs> and he'd say, couldn't you even tarry an hour with me? Couldn't you even be up an hour with me to pray? He was conversing. See, prayer isn't something we do, right? Prayer is something someone that we are. In other words, prayer changes us. And as we are conversing, we're just conversing. So when you converse, a good conversationalist listens then. Right? You don't sit with somebody and have conversation if one's doing all the yapping. Then you're just going... Right? So prayer is this interchange. It's conversation with God. Okay? And so... As he is there, he is absolutely being changed and transformed in his man, okay, making him ready to go to the cross. Okay, and so he knew he needed to continue to have that closeness, that closeness. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's no greater closeness than when you are praying and hearing from him and he's speaking intimately into you, intimately into you. You know, um, and I'm telling you... In marriages, you guys, when there is nothing more intimate than to pray together. Nothing that's more intimate than to pray together. It says the first thing you need to learn as you begin to pray is to master the art of leaving things undone. Everybody knows that I am confessive, so I would have to have everything done perfect. So oh, before you can even oh, yeah. steal away to pray. Oh, right. oh isn't that, that's a Martha, isn't it? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like Mary. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh I better get something done, right? So and she's like, I, I'm forcing myself. I good, good. I pray and claim. And it says, many of us get so excited about the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. That's right. Is that from Jill? Yeah. Jilly Jill? Yeah. Right. Yep. But I, I guess I never, it's, a, it's hard to leave the urgent things to attend to one's soul. How many of you guys struggle with that? How many just have to have everything, like, you know, dishes done, everything perfect, and everything before you can be with Jesus? Raise your hand, let me see. How many of you? Okay, okay. Then, you know, that's the way that you then are being busy, right? I mean, that's how you're keeping busy, because guess what? You will never have that all done. It will never be all done. There will always be something over here. Oh, oh, 
I should have let the dogs out. You know, I should, because you know what? But as I'm praying, they'll have to go. So I should let the dogs. You know what I'm saying? Something will always be. So that is very sweet. That's why he steals away. That's why he steals away. I mean, because you know what, guys? Prayer to Jesus wasn't just an occasional thing. It was his passion. It was his passion because he wanted to be with his father. Right? He wanted to be with his father. It was a passion of his, okay? And, and the, he didn't just believe in prayer. He demonstrated it in his life. Continually, okay? And to, and, and to answer your question, you know, to Jesus, night or day didn't make any difference in prayer. I mean, think about it. He was so passionate to be with his father in the conversation that day or night made no difference when it came to conversing with his father. My father's been in heaven a while now, too. But Jesus was with his father, his, his real father, in heaven and left him. That's right. I think about if I, how I feel when my father left me to be in heaven, how much I want to be with him. And so you would do anything to want to talk to him. And it was the same thing for Jesus. He just wanted to talk to his father because he missed being with him. And I think if we have that perception or that idea of what prayer looks like, it's just talking to somebody you really love. It's not about all the trappings that come with prayer time. Well, I have to do this or I have to do that. It's just talking to the one you love and miss. That's right. And then what happens is, what happens is, is spiritual growth takes place. Okay, and that's what I wanted to end with this week. As because when you're with him, right, spiritual growth is taking place. So the takeaway is, okay, are you know as are you more concerned about your spiritual growth or are you more concerned about making sure that your house is perfect? Okay, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, by the way, it's not in the Bible that says cleanliness is next to godliness, just so you know. <laughs> that is not in the Bible. I am not a person who thinks you should be a hoarder or have a horrific-looking home, okay? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and, and who we are reflects Christ in us, okay? So we should absolutely be the best ever, okay? However, are we more concerned about his spiritual work in us than we are what our home looks like? And that's where Mary's getting to. Okay? And that's why you steal away. That's why you can pray all night. That's why you go to lonely, you know, you're alone. Okay? That's why you have a habit of that. Because what it's telling the Heavenly Father is, I love you more than life. I know that only you can change me. I know that you have this day planned, and it's a, I'm going to be a nutcase if I don't listen to you. I know that you've got my kids exactly where they're supposed to be. I know, and you keep agreeing. And what happens is, is when you are praying and talking with him, your faith grows, your spiritual growth grows. You know what? Nothing can shake you anymore. You know that he's the God who is enough. You know that he that you know he's the deliverer. He'll deliver you in the situation or out of it, but he will. And guess what? He will also have you get your house done. He will allow that. He will allow that because he knows, you know, that, that we need to be absolutely the best for him. Okay, but when it becomes our God, little G, more than being with God the Father, then he goes, mm, Oh, hon, I love you so much. Oh, please, I love you so much. Come on, come be with me. Come be with me just so I can love on you. Just so I can put my arms around you. Because I draw in my loving kindness. You guys, I'm challenging you. Just do it this way. Just do it this way. Just have that practicing his presence and getting up in the morning. And I'm telling you, it's always the morning. You can say it's going to be the night, but I promise you. I'm not saying that to pray before you go to bed and all this, but I promise you, if you're going to try to steal away at night with him, the night's going to go away. It just does. In this prayer that works, Jill Briscoe will share with you, you know, when, when there's fruit all around you, when you see... You know, people being changed and, and you know, you're pouring into people and this, this, my food are all, all around you. You never get burned out. Never. Never get burned out. Right? You just continue keeping on. Because that's who he is. And, that's, and that is that spiritual food that you're talking about. That, I mean, that's that living water that just keeps on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. I'm asking you, you what? Read, read the Gospels just as if they're autobiographies. Okay? Just read them. And then underline when Jesus prayed. Or when Jesus, you know, went alone and this, this. And it'll be miraculous to you.